0: Advice for other women in entering these industries and more. As a feminist, entrepreneur, author, and speaker committed to social justice, our next guest understands the value and beauty of humanity and wants to empower others to spread a message of inclusion and social change. Dr. Janelle Briggs is the co founder and business strategist for Stackhouse. Stackhouse is a Tucson, Arizona based container living company, and they specialize in eco friendly, elevated living alternatives. So interesting. I can't wait to hear more about this. Welcome to the show, Janelle. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Well, so normally I would go into your background and then like learn about your current project, but I am so curious. I think we just need to dig right into this first. What is Stackhouse?
1: Stackhouse is a real estate startup, and our goal is to democratize the real estate industry by providing a home ownership option that starts at $45,000. What we do is we sell shipping container tiny homes turnkey. You can pick your floor plan, your appliances, paint colors, all of the details are left up to you. No matter your floor plan, all of our homes start at $45,000, so for the same price as an SUV, you can own a shipping container home. And what Stackhouse does is we build a steel fabricated tower that allows us to dock these shipping container tiny homes so that you can Mm -hmm. live in this home in a downtown city. So we're building the very first location in Tucson, Arizona, and then we're planning to build 25 locations over the next five years.
0: Oh my gosh. So what is a container house? And What is a tiny house and are they different from each other? And tell us a little bit more about this. Sure. So there's a lot of different theories
1: on how small a house has to be to be considered a tiny house. But generally, the definition is 500 square feet or less. Okay. Stackhouse homes are built in standard shipping containers, which give you 320 square feet of interior living space. We use high boxes, so we have an interior ceiling height of about eight and a half feet by the time mm-hmm. we finished actually building the home in the container.
0: So that's um, pretty standard. That's pretty much normal ceiling height.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a normal house, um, pretty standard apartment or condo size if you're living in a major city like New York. And then with Stackhouse, if you choose to dock that container home in one of our vertical communities, you also get an additional 120 square feet of private outdoor space. So think wraparound Mm. porch where you can put furniture, have hanging plants, all sorts of different things that you can do with that space. So for folks who live in a Stackhouse community, you get 500 square feet total of living space in Stackhouse.
0: And what do they look like inside? Does it look like you're inside of a container or is it made to look more like a house? Does it have windows? Yeah. So
1: think custom home, windows, doors, lighting. It's everything that is in a normal, traditional stick-built home or apartment, we just put it in a shipping container so that we can actually move your home from city to city. Because that's the real magic of Stackhouse is you buy one house for the same price as an SUV. And then wherever there's a Stackhouse tower, if you need to move for work or to care for a family member, or you just want to live in LA, we can move your container home from city to city and install it in our locations across the country.
0: So you're brand new. This is a new startup. Right now you're in Tucson and that's where you're building, but your goal is to have these towers in various cities around the world
1: Absolutely. So one of the things that we did, my partner Ryan has 10 years of experience in real estate development, condos specifically in San Francisco. And San Francisco Mm -hmm. has the highest building code in the country. So basically what we did is we designed our communities to San Francisco spec. So the plans that we're building in Tucson, we can pick up and put in almost any city around the country because we've engineered them to the highest building standards that exist the United
0: States. And you mentioned in some of the notes that you had given me previously that they're eco-friendly. Now, how does that work? So by default,
1: a tiny home is inherently eco-friendly because Mm -hmm. the footprint is so small and our build standards are so high, they're inherently energy efficient. And one of the things that was important for us at Stackhouse was to make green living as Easy and kind of thoughtless for our residents as possible. So, we have incorporated rainwater harvesting and solar panels into the actual structural design of the Stackhouse vertical community. So, we can actually hold more water on site than the property actually gets in a year in Tucson. So, we really wanted to make sure that we had all of these eco friendly options readily available to all of our residents as a standard.
0: So people who are interested in living in an eco-friendly way and kind of lowering their footprint or lessening their environmental footprint, would this be good for someone like
1: that? Absolutely. One of the things that was important for us is that our developments are sustainable and also that the price point for our residents was attainable. So like I mentioned earlier, our homes start at $45,000 and so residents purchase those from our manufacturing partner. If they choose to dock that home in a Stackhouse community, they pay a monthly rental fee that includes access to the tower, parking, all of their utilities, cable, and internet. So it really behooves us as the owners of the Stackhouse development to make sure that we're keeping those utility costs low. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we've incorporated solar power Rainwater harvesting, all of those sorts of things. We've partnered with a company outside of Phoenix, Arizona called Nerd Power. And one of the things that they do is they've created this integrated dashboard where residents can see their appliances in their home that are. Using energy. So then we'll have a master dashboard for the Stackhouse community as well. So if some of our residents are maybe using more power than others, we can leave them a note and help them be more conscious. One of the things we've incorporated into the Stackhouse community is something we're calling privacy pods. So a big critique of tiny living is that your house is small and there's nowhere for you to go if you need to take a call or your partner's getting on your nerves or you just need some space. Yeah. And so we've created Created these privacy pods on every level, every floor that have different themes. So one will be an office pod, there'll be a movie theater pod, there'll be like a snack bar pod on the rooftop with barbecue grills. So we're creating these spaces where people can have a place to spend some alone time if they need to like take a call, really trying to be thoughtful and making sure that our developments meet the needs of the people who will live in them. And then also we're working to create community partnerships. So a big question that we get is like is there a pool? Is there a gym? Yeah. And so we've tried to be really thoughtful on what amenities we do provide because we have to charge for them to offset those costs. And so we're looking to do community partnerships with the YMCA or local coffee shops where we can get discounts for our residents so that they can actually be involved in the community, you know, when that's safe again. And so that's one of the other reasons for those privacy pods is to give people that extra space that is safe that we can manage to make sure that all of those needs are being met.
0: So is the privacy pod just one person or do you go in there with friends? You could go in there with friends if you wanted to. So they'd
1: be available for anyone who lives in the development. And part of the app that we're developing would be a reservation system where like, you could reserve the movie theater for a private viewing or things like that.
0: I know that according to your background, a lot of your interest lies in social justice and social enterprise. So would you consider this business to be a social enterprise?
1: Absolutely. Our biggest goal is to help solve the housing crisis in our country. And we've been very strategic in the kinds of investors that we bring on Mm -hmm. and in the kind of work that Stackhouse will do as a company. We've been fundraising for quite some time to be able to build the first location in Tucson. And one of the reasons for that is because we are insistent that all of the homes in our development be owner-occupied. So we had interest from an investor who said, I'll give you all the money you need if I can buy all the units and rent them out as Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. And we said, we would love to have you on our team, but that's not the vision for Stackhouse. And so we kept meeting with that individual. And he actually did come on our team as our landlender last year. So he helped us purchase the property here in Tucson. And he's also committed to being our landlender for the next five locations. So we have offers for property pending right now in Seattle and San Antonio.
0: So you were talking about how Stackhouse is a social enterprise and how you're solving the housing crisis. Can you explain a little bit more about how that helps solve the housing crisis? Sure. So one of the things that research has pointed to
1: is that owning the place where you live is one of the strongest economic drivers for families. And that is all because it's tied to property values. So Mm -hmm. where there are great neighborhoods, there are great schools. And one of the issues that Stackhouse is really trying to solve is that entry point issue. So to be able mm-hmm. to buy a house, most starter homes, the average cost is about $200,000. Mm-hmm. And that's a real hurdle for a lot of people, especially millennials who have generally had lower earning power, lower salaries, and higher student debt. And so not only is there a lot of competition for starter homes because they are the most affordable it almost doesn't matter what the competition is if you don't have access to the capital to even get in that competition. And so what Stackhouse does is we drop the entry point from 200,000 to 45,000. And so it's a completely different ball game when yeah. you're asked to consider buying a car versus buying a $200,000 depreciating asset. And so yeah. we're really trying to be thoughtful about price point
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: product. And so there's a faculty member here at the University of Arizona, Dr. Barbara Bryson, and she wrote a book called The Owner's Dilemma. And essentially the premise is that everything in the built environment is built to serve the person who's paying for it, the Mm -hmm. owner, to Mm -hmm. make them the most profit. And so the reason we see luxury high-rises sitting empty in major cities is because developers thought those would make them the most money, not that it's the best product for people who need a house to live in.
0: Or the best use of the land.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so at Stackhouse, we've decided to flip that model on its head. All of our financials assume that everyone pays $45,000 for their home now we've done some market research the development here in tucson is about 50% reserved and about half of those people indicated that they would spend closer to like 60 to 80000 on their container home but we decided to hold our financials steady at 45 because the purpose of stackhouse is to be an attainable home ownership solution so it does not matter to us if you spend 45 or 100 our goal is to get as many people into housing as possible
0: And so you mentioned millennials. Who wants these tiny container homes. And who's your main audience? So we have
1: two. We're really lucky, I think, to have two target markets that are really clamoring for a housing solution. So millennials are one, simply because we've been priced out of the market. And as a generation, we understand the importance of knowing that you have a safe place to live that is yours. And so we think the price point and the movability is very attractive to folks in our generation. Here in Tucson, because we have such a large snowbird population, retirees who come down to spend the winters here, a lot of our reservation holders are over 60. And the thing they're excited about with Stackhouse is that it gives them financial stability. Because our leases for spaces in our tower are a minimum of five years, Our residents know exactly what they're going to pay for all of their housing costs for the next five years. Mm -hmm. There's no $400 electric bill in July, which is quite common for folks who live in Tucson. Everything is held steady. So, for downsizing baby boomers, budgeting is very important to them because a lot of them are on a fixed income. Stackhouse is super attractive because we can lock in all of your housing costs for five years at least.
0: So it's going to be a varied group of people living in each absolutely, and that's Hmm. the goal too. We want to
1: be a multicultural community. I'm an army brat. I had the privilege of living all over the country. My dad's last duty assignment was in Seoul, South Korea. I am who I am because I have known so many different people. And that's the kind of world that we want to create. And so we absolutely want our communities to reflect the diversity of the world that we live
0: in. Yeah. I love that. Now you mentioned you have some different apps involved with the project. Do you consider yourself a tech company and this is all proprietary? How does that work? So we put
1: ourselves in the category of real estate development because that's the real business of Stackhouse. We buy land and develop it, but we are a real estate prop tech company as well. We have a patent portfolio that protects the lift mechanism, how we actually get the containers off of the truck and into our developments and then part of the company that we'll be developing in the next couple of years, once we have multiple locations online, is proprietary multiple listing service. So right Mm -hmm. now, if you want to buy a house, you use a realtor and they give you an MLS number and then it's listed. We want to create one of those for Stackhouse so that eventually our residents can trade their spaces within the tower. So if you want to move from Denver to Tucson, you can look online and see who's willing to move and go through a trade that way. So we want to have a platform where people can move within our system. And then also as I was referring to those downsizing baby boomers, you know if they want to sell their house, part of what we'll do is work with them to sell their home, design and purchase their custom stack house container home, and then get them into one of our communities where they can see what the money from the sale of their house can get them in a stack house community.
0: There is so much involved here. Who's the visionary for this? Is that you? It's me and my partner.
1: My partner, Ryan Egan, started in real estate about 10 years ago, and he got the idea for Stackhouse when he was working in San Francisco. He worked for a wealthy family who flew him to San Francisco every other week for five years to entitle a condo project that would have 28 units in it. And it took that long to do one project. And so while he was flying over there and working, he was really struck by how no one in the neighborhood where he was building would actually be able to afford the condo that he was trying to build. And so he's a real big believer in the golden rule. And if we can do good, we should. And how can we figure out a way to provide housing for people who live and work in cities? That's the goal.
0: So you are currently on a crowdfunding platform. Before we get into that, I want to back up a little bit and ask, what has fundraising been like for you? The stats on women in fundraising are pretty dire. I don't know if they're that much better for couples. I assume they are. But according to a recent Forbes article, only 2.8% of venture capital funding in 2019 went to female-founded firms, and that was an all-time high. So, you no, know, <laughs> pathetic. What has fundraising been like for you as a woman or as part of a couple?
1: Difficult. Fundraising is really hard. I think fundraising is hard in general. Fundraising has been difficult for Stackhouse because we're not a traditional startup where we can take a small amount of money and produce a lot of widgets, whether that be a SaaS platform mm-hmm. or a lower price point consumer good. We're also not a traditional real estate startup because we're doing something completely different. And so we've really struggled to find traction with traditional investors because both groups say, go ask the other person. And so, yeah, it's been really, I'm going to use the word interesting to kind of sit back and watch because Both groups really understand, I think, intellectually the housing crisis, but neither group believes their capital is best deployed in the built environment to solve the attainable housing crisis. So from our perspective, we see both groups just kind of shrugging and not really willing to get in and do the work because building housing is messy. It takes time. There's no fee you can pay to expedite the building process. And so it's not really surprising to us that most venture capital firms are not committed to the built environment because there are faster ways to make a return on investment, but there's no app that people can live in. So it's just time to get into this work.
0: Right. So you moved to a crowdfunding platform Tell us a little bit about that, how it works, and how is that different from Kickstarter? Yeah, so we launched an equity
1: crowdfunding raise on WeFunder.com. And what sets WeFunder apart from Kickstarter is that instead of... Pre ordering a product, you actually invest your money into the company. So we're doing a convertible note. And so people can actually invest a minimum of $100 into the Stackhouse corporate entity. And so when we make money, our investors make money. And so it's really exciting because up until a couple of years ago, the only way folks could invest in a business is if they were an accredited investor. And so that meant they had to make a certain amount of money. They had to have a certain amount in liquid assets. And that's just, not attainable for most people. And so the SEC passed new guidelines, basically saying that anyone can invest up to $2,100 in startups a year. And so we're really excited to be on a platform where anyone who believes in the need to solve the housing crisis can support us, and we can actually pay their investment back with capital.
0: So how do people find you on there? So our
1: link is wefunder dot stackhouse dot Tucson. And we're currently raising five hundred thousand dollars. And this money will release a construction loan allowing us to build the very first location here in Tucson,
0: Arizona. So it releases a construction loan. So you found an investor or you went to a bank and you found a bank to say that if you get to a certain amount then they will lend you the rest of the money? That is exactly it. So the Stackhouse Tower
1: costs about $4 million to build. And so we're raising just over a 10% equity stake to release a construction loan.
0: Hmm. So interesting. Well, you're well on your way. So we wish you all the success in that. And I want to dive in a little bit about your history. You have a PhD, as we mentioned. You're a woman in construction and you have a startup. So I would love to hear a little bit about how you got to this point. What's your PhD in? My PhD is in speech communication, as
1: well as my master's. I have an undergrad in business, and I got started in academics because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life after I finished my undergrad. And my parents had told me as an undergrad that I should major in communication, but I was very stubborn and decided I was going to pick my own major. And so I did, and I graduated in business, but it was a struggle and I didn't love it. And to appease my dad, I had taken a communication class to meet an elective requirement and I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So on a whim, I applied to the master's program and got in and I loved it. It opened up a completely new world for me. And so about halfway through, I had started teaching as a teaching assistant and thought, okay, I could get into this life. And so applied. To, I was recruited actually for my PhD program at Southern Illinois in Carbondale. And I did my dissertation on women in sports. And so I talked about how running in particular is a political act and that when women use their bodies in the service of sport and athleticism, it is a powerful reclamation of our bodies and of our purpose. So when I finished my dissertation, I just happened to get a job in college athletics. Um, I knew I wanted to work in academia at the time, and so I got a job as an academic counselor working with student athletes. The NCAA has a rule book just inches thick of all of the rules that athletes have to follow academically to be eligible Mm -hmm. to play their sport. And so that was the work that I was doing that eventually brought me to the University of Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I met my partner, Ryan, about six months after I moved here, Then I turned 30 and was like, oh, I'm not sure I want to be in academics forever. And some other unfortunate things happened as well. And so Ryan and I had been together for not quite a year. And one day he just told me this idea that he had for Stackhouse. We were living together and thinking about downsizing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So he he really waited.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we'd been together for about a year. He was like, Hey, I had this idea. And I was like, I would totally live like that. Mm-hmm. My senior year in high school, my parents decided to sell our house and we moved into a 36 foot travel trailer, like the kind you pull with a truck. Oh my so god! So my brother and I were homeschooled. So the four of us just downsized. We did it for a year. We still love each other. And so I had done it before and I was like, I would absolutely do that. And to be able to move my house and not have to drive it myself shipping containers are meant to be shipped it's genius because it only costs about two grand to ship a container from la to tokyo So once we're international, like really Stackhouse makes the world your oyster because we're putting a home in the dimensions that the entire global economy is already used to moving at the most efficient and affordable prices.
0: Oh, I love your vision. So how does COVID affect Stackhouse's business plan? So
1: we have definitely slowed down a bit. We had well over $150,000 committed to our raise back in February. And then COVID happened and it just shut everything down. And so Ryan and I had a lot of conversations about the best way to move forward. And we've really determined that Crowdfunding is the best mechanism because we really believe that people want to support businesses that are solving real problems. And so we feel very comfortable asking the crowd, so to speak, asking our friends and family to invest in our business because we can do it at such a low price point, hundred dollars. Mm-hmm.
0: So as you were talking about before, you know, a little bit about your background, you have your PhD and you're in construction now and you have a startup and you have also mentioned that you're biracial. So can you just leave us with a thought, maybe some advice for younger women or women looking to get into these fields about challenges you've faced and along your journey and how you've dealt with those and any advice you might have? Yeah, I think the biggest piece of advice is be brave
1: running a business and asking people to invest their money in my idea is the hardest, scariest thing that I have ever done. But I have a vision and I know that I have the skills to execute that vision and to provide a true solution to a problem that so many people are facing. And if you have that conviction and you know how to do your homework and make relationships then by all means be brave and put yourself out there the other thing i would say to folks who are listening is that if you are an investor if you know folks who are in the business community and you want to make a difference i would highly recommend that you read an article by the transparent collective on working with black founders it's a medium article It was also recently picked up by the harvard business review And they outline a lot of the misconceptions and stereotypes about Black people in general. And the biggest one is to not assume that our confidence is arrogance. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in meetings and people blow me off because they mistake my confidence for being cocky. We started Stackhouse in 2017. We have been doing the research and meeting with folks for three years. And Mm -hmm. we know what we're talking about. And the trope of the angry black woman has absolutely hampered my ability to fundraise. I got an email from a, I'll use the term mentor, telling me that if I ever wanted to be introduced to anyone again, I had to commit to be polite. Wow. I wonder how many men get that email. You know, I'm not sure. I'm really not, but... We'll
0: put that article in the show notes. Thank you for recommending that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My
0: advice is to be
1: brave. If you have an idea, work it because the world needs solutions and it's really hard work and a lot of people aren't willing to stick it out. I can't tell you the number of people who in passing, kind of before the world shut down, I would run into someone and they're like, oh, you're still working on Stackhouse? I heard about that years ago. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still here. It takes years to build a vision, especially when you're trying to change an industry. And so you can't give up. I sound really happy and chipper right now. But yesterday, I sat in bed all day and worked because that's all the energy I could muster. And so... Make sure you have a support system. I'm very lucky to be in business with my partner. And I'm very lucky that over the last couple of years, we have learned how to support each other in business. It's not easy. We each see an individual therapist, we see a couples counselor once a week. Like Mm -hmm. it takes work, but if you are committed to your vision, you will continue to make progress. And I'm saying that for the listeners as much as I am for myself.
0: (laughs) That's great advice. Janelle, this is so incredible. I want to give our listeners a chance to check out your website. Can you let us know again where they can go to read a little bit more about this and where they can invest if they're interested?
1: Yeah. Our business website is stackhouse.life. And if you're interested in going directly to our WeFunder raise, it's wefunder.com slash stackhouse.tucson.
0: Thank you so much. This has been just truly fascinating. The Hazard Girls group has a lot of women in construction, we have women in startups and tech, we have PhDs, but you are all three of those in (laughs) one. It's really impressive and inspirational. So thank you so much for hanging out with us and sharing your story and explaining all about Stackhouse. We wish you all the best. And I think you are very much well on your way to success. Thank you, Emily. It's
1: my pleasure to speak with you. I've enjoyed following your journey as well. And I can't wait to purchase my own pair of Gino Jones boots before we start construction.
0: <laughs> oh, you will rock those. Thank you so much, Janelle. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salabi. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.